That ball hit deep. Way back. Wells at the ball. Looks up. You can put it on the board. Yes. Who wants the bun? It's time. Live. Now it's time for the moment you've been waiting for. In the entertainment capital of the world. That ball hit high and deep at the wall. He looks up. You can put it on the board. Yes. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Yes. 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 History. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. T.C. Martin. Call your sons, call your daughters, call your friends, call your neighbors. The doctor is now in. Yes! Yes! And glad to have you with us. Middle of the old work week, I guess, right? A Wednesday, proverbial hump day. Even though I'm not sure a lot of people are working because the traffic has been ludicrous. It's been outrageous. Pretty damn light. I'm, I'm just, yeah. Well, it's also not a normal work week. Friday is Christmas. A lot yeah. of people even have off tomorrow for Christmas Eve. Yeah. So for some people, it's the end of the work week. Well, there you go. I don't know. <laughs> it's a lot of traffic out there. People got to work still, don't they? I don't. And some people aren't working. I don't. I mean, I, I guess. They, What's it, Frank doing? Bringing logic to the show. Exactly. What are you doing? Ballpark Frank in the house. Stevie Slapshot. My tag team hockey gurus. Let's hit the horn for both of these ham and eggers. There we go. I take that back. You guys are not ham and eggers. Yes. You guys are definitely, you know, frontliners. No doubt about it. Appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe not the first line, but <laughs> I've never taken the... offense to that. I like ham and eggs. There you go. There you go. There you go. And I, I don't eat ham anymore ever you... since I got food poisoned on it years ago. <laughs> Great. Now I can't have it either. Because <laughs> every time I order, I'll be thinking of the food. That's poison. it. That's it. No ham for you. That's it. No, no soup for you. No ham for you. Part no of the show. green eggs. No ham. Thank goodness for that. There you go. All right, glad to have you with us today. TCMartinShow.com, streaming live, of course, wherever you may be. Today, we're going to have a great time uh, visiting with a good friend, one of the best baseball minds in all of Major League Baseball, and uh, hopefully a future Hall of Famer. He's on the verge of 2,000 victories as a manager. He's been in this game as a player and as a manager for over 40 years. We're talking about Dusty Baker, the current manager of the Houston Astros. So looking forward to visiting with Dusty today. We'll be broaching all kinds of of topics and having a lot of fun with him today. So uh, look forward to that. I don't like to tap into him too much, uh, but it's it's holidays, it's off season, and I said let's 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 hear from Dusty. So looking forward to that. I yeah. remember Johnny B, Doctor Scald, oh, yeah. tearing up my Giants back in the day. <laughs> there he goes, Stevie Slapshot, with some old memories and some old knowledge and oldness. Showing your age, there, my friend. Right? I, I am old. There's, yeah. there's no hiding it. <laughs> I think there's a little bit of age in this studio right now. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but we have a lot of youth too. Uh, you know, mentally, we have a lot of youth. Well, yeah, in our actions, definitely. Yeah, there I mean, you, that, you know, I, I got into radio so I would never have to grow up. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's the only wish that ever came true for me. <laughs> TJ Reeves, our guy from Tampa, will join us a little bit later on. The Bucks sideline reporter does a great job with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and uh, we'll talk to TJ regarding another sport that has invaded Tampa, Florida, the NBA. It's opening night tonight for the Toronto, or should we say, the Tampa Bay Raptors. <laughs> Can you believe this? And they got a championship banner. We talked about the Lakers raising their banner last night. Well, the uh, Raptors 
have a the 2019 slash 20 championship banner hanging in the Tampa arena or whatever in the heck they're calling that arena. They changed the name of that arena there in Tampa like every two years. So so they have a banner hanging, but the Lakers banner won't be actually unveiled until exactly. the fans come in. Though they did give out the rings. Well, here's one we'll talk we'll talk to, <laughs> exactly, and we'll talk to T.J. Reeves about this as well too. So they've got the Tampa Bay Lightning retired numbers in that building, but they don't have the Tampa Bay Lightning championship banner up there yet. What? Right? Well, How, how's it not? What's going on? It's, it's not up there yet. Have they have they played? Since they oh, won, oh, well, they, yeah, that's, yeah. that's right. Yeah, they're the last okay. one. Of course, they don't have it up yet. There you go. See? They got some bad news today too with Kucherov. Yeah, long term IR. He's uh, you know that's not good. Although it does help out on some salary cap right. stuff. So, but how weird is that to play in your own building or have someone come in your building and they're putting up a championship <laughs> banner from a, a year ago in a different sport, and your own team's banner isn't up there? And I know I thought the same thing when I was doing a little homework on this today. And I go, oh, wait a minute. They, they haven't had the ceremony. They haven't had a, a home game uh, you know, last season and not yet this season. So, Have you noticed, by the way, in all sports, when you put up a banner on that night, right, and then yes. they play the game, that, that team loses more often oh, no than doubt. not. no doubt. And I wanted to say that yesterday. Let's go with the Clippers. Let's pick against the Lakers. Because I know I think the last three seasons, at least three or four seasons, the uh, – the the defending champ has lost on their home court. Well, and like Stevie said, it happens in a lot of sports out there, and there's different theories to, as to why. For one thing, the, the the team is celebrating, they're happy, they're remembering all the success, the crowd is into it, and the other team has to sit, sit there the entire time and watch them doing that stuff, and they get ticked off by the time the game goes. They go, let's ruin this night for these people. And then, of course, you realize, did we really ruin the night for them in a – in an 82-game season when they're still going to try to make another run at the championship right, next year right, anyhow. Right, right. If you're the Clippers, I would think, you know, well, the only way you're ever going to see a banner is if you celebrate somebody else's. <laughs> and again, for the Clippers, that's their building as well, too. Exactly. So the, and, and they're the third tenant. Exactly. Because the L.A. Kings are actually number two. Right, right, right. So, <laughs> you know, they could, uh, you know, look at that and say, well, wait a minute, you're going to celebrate? This is our building, too. And so, yeah, it was a good spot for the Clippers last night, even though they had some changes and... You know, you know, Tyron Liu, uh, former LeBron James coach in Cleveland, is now running the show there for the Clippers. And it was a good spot. And the Clippers never trailed in that game. They led from the opening tip all the way up. And it was funny how things can just change in a matter of two and a half hours. So, like you said, before that game started, the pomp and circumstance, even though there were no fans there, they're playing the music, they're taking the pictures, they get their rings. You see LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and these guys posing for the pictures, all that. Then two and a half Hours later, their heads are down. It's like, oh wow, we just uh, we just got embarrassed. So, what do you guys think about the Clippers this year? I've I've heard more than one person say that they think the Clippers have a real shot that they'll be better than the Lakers this year. Do you guys feel that way? They could be. I, I they they could be. Again, you know, I think a lot of people looked at the coaching change with Doc Rivers out, and then Tyrone Lue is is there. Uh, different types of, of coaches, but you know, a lot of people criticize Doc Rivers for letting that team get away last year, and uh, you know, letting letting the players basically kind of you know run things, and that led to his uh, departure. And they definitely underachieved. I think you have a more healthy uh, Paul George right now. He displayed that last night. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He signed that contract extension. I think that and the Clippers had plenty of talent. I mean, Clippers were one of the deepest teams in the NBA last season. So for me, yeah, yeah. And uh, remember, I mean, we've 
like you said, we've we've seen uh, the Lakers and other teams defending champs lose an opening night only to to come back over time and take care of business. So, like Frank said, we shouldn't read too much into that opening night loss. But uh, bigger picture, yeah, I, I think uh, I think the Clippers will be solid. They're definitely a playoff team, you know, barring any injuries. Well, the thing about to, to me though is okay, who cares? So so what if they do have a better record in the regular season? Do something in the playoffs. We've seen this story before with the Clippers. We saw the story last year with the Clippers. We see it a lot with the Clippers. Then the playoffs come, and they do nothing. And you mentioned Paul George. Yeah, okay, I don't care what you do in the regular season. He really needs to show something in the playoffs. He's garbage in the playoffs. So show me something positive. I don't care about the regular season. You ought to make the playoffs. Do something there for a change. That's a little bit unfair with George because his time in Indiana and some of these other teams, he really didn't have much of a surrounding cast. Oh, boo-hoo. No, I'm just saying. You're in the playoffs. Perform. You're the guy who wants the max contract and everything else. That's when you're supposed to perform. That's not when you wilt and disappear, and now you're giving pity for him? Why are you pointing at me? I I didn't say I wanted a max (laughs) contract. I'm just using I didn't say I wanted a max contract. Would you like a max contract? I would. Well, there you go. So now you're saying it. But i got to perform well in the playoffs. According to you, <laughs> n- n- not if you sign with the Clippers. Jeez. Apparently, Jeez. oh, listen, boo! He's coming with boo right after Ben Roethlisberger yeah. says poo. Yeah, I mean you're, you're right in that same realm there. It's well, supposed to be the holiday season, Frank. That's right. <laughs> Come on, Grinch. Let's go, man. Isn't today Festivus or something like that? So. For, for the rest of us, it is. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's a day to complain. So I'm complaining. And, and Frank is wearing red today. So there you go. All right, Bob. My bowl is in Blackhawks colors. There you go. By the way, the Bulls will be garbage again this year, too. So. Yeah, a shocker there. <laughs> All right, so, uh, yeah, we'll, let's get to this story today. So the Washington Football Club, we talked about uh, Dwayne Haskins. Washington yesterday. Football Team. Club team, that's right. They want to be club, according to you, right? Uh, some of the people in the right? front office are big soccer fans. They're fans of Arsenal and Man City, oh. and so they want them to go with football club. Football club is something that's used in soccer teams or football teams around the world. Right now, they're the Washington football team. Supposedly, the owner, Snyder, wants to keep that because he actually kind of likes it. So they're talking about what name are they going to have down the road. Right now, the two leading candidates, according to inside sources, are saying it's either still it's just going to say Washington football team or Washington football club. Which is absurd. I mean, this, this is definitely a terrible Tuesday. I mean, he couldn't get to this yesterday. But again, I mean... you. No, you have a mascot, you have a nickname, and you threw out some pretty good ones last year before you settled on this garbage, and the reason why they settled on this garbage of the football team and not like the Red Tails or something of, of, of that nature is because some Hammenager bought up all the rights you know, for that or whatever, you know, purchased all those. Okay, you're supposed to have a year to get this thing together, and you didn't have enough time to do the proper marketing and get out logos and that sort of thing because this came down during the time and you drag, drug your feet with this, Daniel Snyder and company. Oh, and by the way, plus you had the sexual allegations and everything else going on. With oh, those that, are still going yeah, on. With that club slash team or whatever. So you've had a year to figure it out. I don't know any Washington Redskin fan football team slash club fan is going to be happy about this. No. You know, you 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 have a mascot, you have a team name like you've had for more than a half of a century like every other team does in the National Football League and every other sport and you do it. You try don't be cute about it. I mean that that's just stupid. It's ridiculous is what it is. And then in going back to uh, whatever the tangent that I was on b- before you got me you know, twisted on this thing. Now I've um, made you grumpy, too. Yeah, exactly. I've done my job. Yeah. 
Just get to the name, man. What, what, why would we expect anything, you know, under the Daniel Snyder regime to, to, to go well? In Washington? Nothing has gone well yeah. since he's taken over that team. Yeah. You know who's going to be upset if they do keep it? Numchuck. He bought that Washington <laughs> football team shirt on a clearance rack thinking it was like an investment or yeah, something yeah. because it was going to be a one-year deal. Right. But back, back to what you're saying about changing it to the club because – a couple of the minority owners or people in the building they're not are a, soccer yeah, yeah, they're, fans. They're, they, they said they're just Who? people in the front office. Right. They're not even owners. Okay, <laughs> they're fans. Who can, you, you have your own uh, MLS team in that city. You've got that. That That's your team. Root them on. That's fine. But this is the National Football League, American football. No, I, I don't care about this. So you don't succumb to that because hey, we we kind of like this because paying you know homage to a soccer club. No, it's nonsense. We're not a soccer club. We're not a foreign soccer club. We're the Washington Redskins still. Well, in, in any in any other division outside of the NFC lease, they could just be the Washington Football Club team because <laughs> they don't play like a pro team half the time. Go with the Generals. Where's the Washington Generals? There you go. There's probably some kind of copyright issues <laughs> oh, or something. I'm sure there is. And that's the thing, too. It's not only getting the copyright yeah. thing. And we found that out when the Vegas Golden Knights were trying to name themselves that Bill Foley said yeah. all the hoops and hurdles and everything that you have to go through through that kind of stuff. But remember one other thing. You mentioned how somebody bought up a bunch of potential names because they heard that that's my view where they're going. Daniel Snyder is known to be a little cheap. <laughs> some people might say frugal if you want to be nice for the holidays. Yeah. Some people just call him cheap. So is he going to pay somebody for a name? He's going to go, the hell with it. I'm just going to say the football team. Well, he could be on his way out anyway as an owner. But, oh, by the way, the Generals still haven't won a game. You know that, don't you? Didn't they win one years ago back in, like, the 80s against I, the Globetrotters? I, 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 don't I think, think so. they won one years ago because that was, like, some right. big story or yeah, something yeah. like that. I think it was protested. But, but, but by the way, Daniel Snyder, uh, you know, he, yeah, he's in trouble because he wanted to be part of the Mile High Club. However, it wasn't consensual. <laughs> what, what's up with that in Washington? Haskins, right? And, yes. and Snyder. And, yeah. And, and now, have we, is, is there a video on Harden? I, yes. I, I've heard I, rumors. There, I, there is actual. I saw, I saw a video today. All right. Yes. Yeah, I saw a video today. So we're, that's, that's where I was going 15 minutes ago. <laughs> Thanks, what, thanks what's up in, what, with all the politicians in that is doesn't that just go right with the theme of being in Washington? But by, by the way, I I have friends who have visited Cheetahs on occasion, and they said that they have seen Harden oh, at yeah. Cheetahs yeah. before. So well, the story goes that, and we've talked about this before, where he was in Atlanta, and remember he went to rapper Little Babies. Oh, not Little. I gotta say Little Little Babies. Little Baby birthday party, and that was Atlanta. Then he came to Vegas. And he ventured off to several of the clubs. Several of the clubs. Well, there's and a there lot of clubs. you got to yeah. check out the variety. Yeah, but not you all know? of them are open here right now. I mean, majority of them are not open. So <laughs> Probably none of them should be, but they that's a whole be. different exactly. story. But anyway, so as we were talking about yesterday, and as we started talking about 15 minutes ago, or Stripping. at least I started to. <laughs> Stripping yeah. only in Vegas, yes. an essential yeah. job. Yeah. Can we get our magic uh, <laughs> city theme, uh, magic city theme music there, Stevie? There I, I, know I, I, I know Quake. I know Quake. Quake's got it in there. He, mm. he, he's got some music. It says in there. Magic City. I don't know what it says, but mm. that's you know, you know. Remember the the ribs are fantastic there too. By the way, right? That's we in the hot wings, as we as Sweet I, Lou Williams once told us. I have I have never eaten there. Yeah, I, I have been there. I have not <laughs> eaten there. So anyway, hanging at the strip club as we talked about yesterday with Dwayne Haskins and. 
like you said, Frank, he got, he got stripped of his captaincy uh, with the with the Washington football team. Nice play on words there. there you stripped go. of his captaincy. There you go. And so today uh, we get news uh, of James Harden that the NBA is investigating Harden for partying at a club without a mask, and video does show this. And uh, they're at the point now where this could jeopardize him playing in the season opener tonight. Uh, Harden had this to say as he went on social media. Here was his quote. One thing after another. I went to show love to my homegirl at her event, not a strip club in parentheses, because she is becoming a boss and putting her people in position of success. And now it's a problem. Every time there's something, every time it's something different, no matter how many times people try to drag my name under, you can't. The real always end on top. End of quote. James Harden uh, posted that on his Instagram page earlier today. Position of success. Yeah. I find that an interesting yeah. so three words. He, he wanted to go see Homegirl and, and, and celebrate because she was becoming a boss. And uh, yeah, because she was put in a position of success. Now the video, you can't tell if it's a strip club, but it's definitely a party that's happening. Harden's like holding up like a suitcase or something. And, you know, the alcohol is flowing. No one at his table, his booth, whatever you have there, has a mask on. And, uh, yeah. It doesn't he, sound like he denies it in, in the statement, right? Well, here's the deal. He was at a press conference yesterday for the Rockets after practice, and a reporter asked him about it. And his response was, next question. All right. That's what he said. Next question. Refuse to talk about it. Again, Again why don't you own this up or, or get in front of it at least and just say, okay, you come out today – because your back's up against the wall, and you're saying, okay, hey, I was at this girl, wasn't a strip club, it was party, this and that. Just just come clean, because the NBA's going to investigate, and again, you know, the protocol, you know, more than 15 people, you can't do it. Doesn't matter if it's a strip club, doesn't matter if it's a restaurant, doesn't matter if it's an event, it does not matter. Ask the Raiders about that, right? So, yeah, more than, more than 15 people, yeah, you even can't charity gather. Event. Yeah, even charity events exactly. you can't do it at. And, and, you, you can't gather. Yeah, and, and as far as Harden saying all that kind of stuff, he does it because he's a prima donna. I, I had read that it was it was an event, but it was an event where strippers or dancers were at. Right. So, okay, so, yeah, maybe it wasn't necessarily a, a strip club, so to speak. But, but, yeah, but, you know, he went in there and told the girls he's a shooting guard, and they wanted to see if it was true. <laughs> Breaking news uh, on this front here. So the Rockets are actually have more people in danger of missing the season opener tonight. The a group of Rockets were sent home after uh, a positive COVID test. Uh, John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, and K.J. Martin, their rookie, were getting haircuts. And a uh, positive test came back for K.J. Martin and Ben McLemore. Uh, Wall and Cousins' test came back negative. So now they are investigating, doing some contact uh, tracing issues here. They're checking all that out. But uh, rumor you know, has it that Harden tested positive a few weeks ago, I guess before he was on his strip club slash club uh, rampage here. And that was one of the reasons why he was late getting to Houston and not showing up. Because, of course, the story was that, well, hey, he, he didn't want to play for the Rockets anymore. He, his agent was soliciting other teams. We talked about, you know, the Nets, uh, the Sixers. And then finally he came back to Houston, uh, you know, I guess got his negative test. And, he, and he's back there now reluctantly, not talking to the media. 
and uh, may not be in the lineup uh, here tonight. But, yeah, that was uh, the rumor. So there you go. But then again, when you're partying with Lil Baby and company, <laughs> Stevie, I mean, you're a man around town. I figured that you would you'd be posting up somewhere at some of these clubs, and, and you'd have some inside info for us that James Harden and some of these celebrities – we're at some of the clubs. I mean, you know, that's that's what you do. It's it's not that I haven't been. I just don't go during pandemics. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wise I, man. I, th- I think that's not a good thing to do, <laughs> and to go to a strip club during a pandemic. Oh, now who now who's using logic? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. <laughs> so here's the thing: we talk about these guys being held at, at a higher standard, and you are as an athlete. We mentioned guys that. No way, shape, or form would be out doing this this thing. And of course, you know those former Buckeye guys like Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, because they're, they're the only team. They're the only team. Yeah, every other campus in the country is did, safe. Did say that? No just, sexual misconduct or anything goes make, on. It's just, all in Columbus. Just making a valid example. I reeled off about eight of them yesterday. <laughs> which you agreed with me? So, and we don't need to get into that. I'm not listening. denying it happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, but uh, again, just. Like you said, Stevie, it's a pandemic. Why can't you be smart? But even if you're not in a pandemic, you just don't do that. You don't go to the clubs. You just stay away. You just got to show smarter judgment. And if if we weren't in a pandemic, you want to have a house party, bring them to your pad, okay? Your, your, your pad are a lot bigger than a lot of these clubs. Probably have... All of the same, uh, you know, things that you can get in a nightclub as well, too. Probably even more. You probably exactly. got pools and all sorts of other stuff, and yeah. you know, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. And again, these guys, they really feel that they're just oblivious to this. They're above it. You know, again, they're just they're they're divas. Well, and let's be honest about it. Why do they feel that way? Because when they were back in college and probably high school and everything else, everything that they did, they got away with. It was swept under the carpet as long as they perform on the court or on the field or on the ice or whatever it is, sport that they're playing. I mean, it's they've been pampered and gotten away with stuff their entire life, and now that they're in the pros, now we expect them to change when they've already embraced this and go, hey, no, we have the right to do this kind of stuff. It, it isn't right, and you would think that they'd be smarter, but they also feel bulletproof. Hey, I'm a professional athlete. I'm in the greatest shape of anybody out there. I can get away with anything I want. And there's an awful lot of people out there telling them that none of this stuff is real anyway. So and no one's going to tell him no now either, right? No one's going to tell James Harden no. No one's going to tell him no. Right. Obviously, I mean, especially with his, the kind of money that he's throwing exactly. around. Well, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago with his you know new head coach, r- rookie head coach. I mean, he he didn't even really address him being late and not not showing up on time to training camp. Yeah, he you know just well you know what can he do? It, it doesn't matter. He's going to show up when he's going to show up, but. And what's the big picture for Harden? No, he's not going to be in Houston. I mean, he's going to be gone. It's just it's just a matter of time. But again, this franchise gone through all, you know, it's a new general manager this year. You got a new head coach, you know. It's just it's crazy. And you talk about the suspension cuz if if they find out this is true and again, they have the video. Now, the only thing the NBA was waiting for to see if this video was recent or if this was from way back when. But uh, yeah, it's gone viral. Uh possible suspension for James Harden. That would equate to $284,000 per game. Think about that. And you know, he could be shut down from anywhere from you know, five to, to ten games. 284000 per game. 
and then, and then he'll get the players' union to to go on his behalf, and he'll try to fight it. And they don't want him not on the court anyhow, so they're going to do whatever they can to keep him out there. Can anybody surprise that James Harden's not wearing a mask? He doesn't play any defense anyhow. Why would he in his own life? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yes. So the uh, Rockets are continuing their contact, contact tracing. So uh, I know that some sports books took this game off the board tonight too. So. We'll, we'll see what happens. But opening night last night, the NBA, when we talked to the big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright yesterday, he was excited. He texted me about an hour into that game. He goes, this game is garbage. <laughs> Just what we talked about yesterday, right? It's like, okay. So the Nets, they look motivated. Durant, I think, scored the first seven points of this game. It got ugly. You saw the Warriors. They were horrible last night, just like they were last year, winning five games. They're not going to be much better this year. You had no Draymond Green, of course, no Clay Thompson last night. It basically was Steph Curry and nobody else, but uh, Kyrie Irving and and Kevin Durant and the rest of the Nets. They they pummeled the Warriors, easily covered the seven and a half last night, and then in the nightcap, like we talked about, the Clippers took care of business uh, with the Lakers. But both games, yes, uh, pretty awful and pretty non competitive. Well, another non competitive game that wasn't in basketball. How about BYU? Oh, jeez, wow. Yes, yes. I was looking forward to that being a decent game. Yeah, and again... we, we it, sh- it was a fun game, kind of, especially yeah. if you're a BYU fan, and then they called the dogs after they got it to 49, but they could have scored 80 in that game. Yeah, well, they scored 21 nothing just like that. Yeah. And uh, they, they set a record for most yards in a quarter. I believe it was 490 yards or something. something they had 435 ridiculous. at the half, I know. Yeah, okay, so it's, it was something so, yeah. ridiculous. It was some, yeah, yeah. I think it was 290 in the first quarter, yeah. I think it was. Yeah, the 435 yeah, at you. the half. Yeah. It was like, I'm like... Yeah. What, what's the? <laughs> yeah. But but this BYU team, you know, we, we we've seen it all year, and we kind of mocked their schedule, and they got beat by Coastal Carolina. But they had a chip on their shoulder last night. They they want to go take care of business, and as powerful of an offense that Central Florida has, you know, averaging you know close to 600 yards per contest, they have no defense, and BYU exploited that last night. And so yeah, I think that was it, it was a good spot for BYU. They they covered, they rolled. And, uh, yeah, UCF on the, on the short end of that. And, and you mentioned the Coastal Carolina game. I think that they had a bad chip on their shoulder from that game because yeah. they took it at the last minute trying to get a decent win over a ranked team, went to their place, and they came within a yard of even pulling that one out at the end of the game. So they thought that they were a team that should have been undefeated. They were trying to improve themselves in the ranking. They took a gamble, and it didn't work out. And the last night they took it out against UC- UCF. Yes, they did. BYU, tough team. You know, a team that uh, lost one time this year. And basically in that game against Coastal Carolina, they had a chance to actually win that game. One yard line. One yard line, exactly. So, Be- Because the Jets' defensive coordinator wasn't uh, the <laughs> defense coordinator for Coastal Carolina. There you go. <laughs> All right. When we come back, we're going to talk a little baseball. My good friend Dusty Baker, he is going to join us, the current skipper of the Astros. A little bit later on, T.J. Reeves will join us from Tampa Bay. We'll talk a little NFL and some college bowls as well, too. Glad to have you with us on a Wednesday afternoon, T.C. Martin Show. I do exactly what I want to do. It's It's the the Dr. T.C. Martin. You say I'm insane? I say thank you very much. The doctor is now in. All right, it is the baseball offseason. So it's time to catch up uh, with one of uh, the greatest minds 
that baseball has ever seen. We're talking about a three-time manager of the year, has over 1,900 wins, and the current manager of the Houston Astros, where he guided them to the American League Championship Series, and yes, was one game away from the World Series this past season, and, and actually the most difficult season that we've seen it, probably ever because of the pandemic. But uh, he became the first manager to lead five different teams to the playoffs. He's a World Series champion as a player, 19 years playing career. And like I said, one of the greatest baseball minds, but just one of the best people that I know as well, too. And uh, really happy to call him my friend. And he's joined us today. Dusty Baker, what is going on, my man? Hey, man, a lot's going on. It's just, uh I've been running around all day trying to wrap up the year strong. Like I tell my son all the time, you got to finish strong. So right now <laughs> I'm outside of Sutter Health, which you're familiar with, uh, you know, yeah. waiting on my mom because I had to take her to the doctor today. So I'm out in my truck. Okay, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, Dusty. Uh, as always, man, uh, you're busy. you got a lot of stuff going on uh, outside of baseball uh, as well, too. But uh you know, definitely want to touch on some stuff with you. You know, this is the off season in baseball, which is a very cherished time, and it's cherished because, as you know better than anybody, it doesn't last long. This off season. So, uh, <laughs> what have you been able to to do during during the off season that's uh, been enjoyable for yourself here? Well, you know, I haven't hunted or fished yet, but uh, I really wasn't in the mood uh, early because the weather was so nice. You know, we need some bad weather here, and we're finally starting to get some rain. Uh, you know, I've been working at, at, at Baker Energy, uh, which I started like five years ago when I was out of the game. And I've been going to the winery, which you've been been to, but they shut down everything, you know, only only uh, drive up sales. So, you know, I've been busy, you know, uh, you know, uh, hanging out with my son. You know, he's been home uh, since March, you know, because like, that, uh, uh, you know, I've been taking all their classes online. He's going to University of California, Berkeley. And he's looking forward, hopefully, to go back in January uh, uh, and start school again and start ball. So, you know, we've been hitting almost every day. And uh, it's been a pleasure having him home, but I know he's ready to get back. So, uh, uh, you know, like he told me last night, this is the, this is the most he's been home since high school. And this will probably <laughs> be the last time he'll be home this much, you know, uh, probably the rest of his life. So. It's been a, it's been an enjoyable uh, winter. It's gone it's gone quickly. Yeah. This whole year's gone quickly. It's hard to imagine that 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 Christmas is two days away, mm-hmm. and so just trying to enjoy myself and uh, and enjoy the family. Excellent, excellent. All right, let's go back to earlier this year when you accepted the job with the Houston Astros. And knowing that it was going to be a challenge because of all the previous turmoil, you did a fantastic job handling all of those circumstances. Tell everyone why you agreed to take that on, and what was it like stepping into this? Because it was unlike any situation that you stepped into before taking over a team. Well, you know, number one, I wanted a chance to win the championship, and I had a good team that I was going to, and... uh uh, you know, number two, I had I had taken a um, you know I wanted to get 2,000 victories, uh, which uh, which which I thought it was a lock, you know, <laughs> until we only played 60 games, and uh, also I I talked to my family, and uh, you know I had interviewed for the Philadelphia job. I thought I did a great job, uh, you know, came in second, and uh, and my son, I mean, you know, in his ultimate wisdom as a 21 year old, he told me he said, Dad, maybe that wasn't meant for you to be and uh and he says i think it's better that you are in houston and i says uh really because houston came at me this came out of the blue i didn't know they were gonna 
you know, get rid of A.J. Hinch and the general manager, Lunau. So this just sort of I was chosen for this job. You know, I feel like the, like, you know, the Lord chose me for this job and, uh, and just worked his magic through, you know, through the Astros. And, uh, you know, it was challenging. It was very challenging. It wasn't as challenging as it could have been because there weren't any trans in stands. I tell you, in spring training, it was, like, horrible because uh, the people were hooting on us and booing. And, uh, I mean, even little kids are coming up repeating what their fathers had told them. So it was kind of a blessing, uh, you know, not to have the fans in the stands, but we missed the fans in the stands. And, you know, the cardboard cutout, which I have at my house with my grandson, uh, Darren, uh, uh, my son and his best friend, you know, was okay. But uh, it was, uh, you know, we missed the, the, the energy and the, and the excitement uh, you know, the fans. And, uh, and I heard, uh, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers talk about it the other day, you know, first time he had been to Minnesota and it was that quiet. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, that's how it was for us. But, you know, when the game started, uh, you know, it was, it was almost the same, uh, especially in, in, in close games, but, you know, we definitely need fans in the stands and hopefully we get this coronavirus uh, handled by the time baseball starts. So what were the biggest challenges for you managing last season amid a pandemic? Well, the biggest challenge was, was the fact that I didn't know the uh, many players. You know, I knew them from afar. You know, they didn't know me. You know, we were just getting to know each other uh, after a month. And then, uh, you know, the pandemic, and then they shut it down. And then we were off for a couple months. And then we had to turn it back on again. You know, that was the toughest part. And then the toughest part of all you know was the isolation that that everybody had to go through this was new to all of us where you know you're isolated in the clubhouse you know you couldn't have more than three guys in the room at a time in the lunch room or or the weight room or the you know the training room and uh uh and 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 especially on the road which is indicative of i think of why our road record was so bad because guys can't you know you couldn't go to starbucks you couldn't go to the hotel bar you couldn't go to the restaurant is where where guys you know actually get their act together on the road and uh you know that was the toughest part the toughest part for me was the eating part <laughs> right know, on i couldn't yep. go out and eat, <laughs> you know i couldn't go out and eat what i wanted to eat you know i couldn't eat soul food i couldn't i couldn't go out and get barbecue i couldn't go out and get mexican food uh you know they had you know they they tried and 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 i gotta give baseball a lot of credit because they you know as hard as it was if we hadn't had the restrictions that we had on the road and at home, there's no way that, you know, we'd have made it through the season. Because when the season first started, uh, you know, everybody didn't see how we were going to make it. But we made it. You know, we had a World Series. And hopefully this vaccine, you know, can be distributed throughout the country and throughout the world. And, and we can get back to normal, hopefully, early in the year. And see, that's why we get along so well, because food is the ultimate importance to both of us. I mean, we, we got to have, yeah. have our food spots, man. That's priority one, right? Yeah, yeah but the only thing is, hey, you can eat whatever you want. You know, I got to eat kind of kind of what I need or what I like and then, and then back off a little bit. So, you know, you know, with your metabolism and your body type, uh, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm envious and jealous when I see you packing that food down, and I I can only eat a portion of it. Uh, you you manage well, my friend. Trust me. Dusty Baker uh, joins us. The uh, the manager of the Houston Astros, T.C. Martin, along with Ballpark Frank here.
Hey, Dusty, I know you mentioned the fact that, you know, you missed the fans, but in some ways you were going to get booze and that kind of stuff. Did you try to use mm-hmm. that as maybe a little bit of a motivation as a team of going, well, we know that a lot of people, our diehard fans are rooting for us, but a lot of people are really against us, so it's kind of us against the world, so we need to stick together and really be a team this year. Well, you know, they were together when I got there, and, and they were even more together, uh, uh, you know, as the season went on. I don't think we really had the us-against-the-world attitude. Uh, you know, I mean, there were a few uh, instances where, you know, a commentator or somebody would have said something that, that kind of, you know, motivated uh, guys or really kind of, uh, you know, ticked them off. But, I mean, it, it, it comes with the territory, you know. I mean, I mean, we all knew that, that it was going to be tough um, because, they're, you know, you know, when you get caught doing something, um, you know, you got to, you got to pay the piper and you got to pay the price. Uh, but, uh, you know, fortunate for me, you know, I wasn't there, but I was a recipient and had to answer some of the questions. And, you know, I was, I was actually proud of our guys and how they handled the, you know, the whole, you know, situation because they, and I'm sure it's going to be, uh, you know, similar this year, but I was asking for the people to, you know, you know, the guys asked for forgiveness. They admitted they were wrong and, uh, you know, we've all done something wrong. But it seems like, you know, forgiveness is one of the toughest parts of, of human nature. So, uh, like I said, we just got to live with it. You got to put your big boy pants on and you got to go out there and you got to play. How was that clubhouse last year in comparison to other teams that you've had in the past? Well, you know, it was different. I mean, I mean, these guys, they, they genuinely play for each other and they like each other, you know, which is similar to other teams. But it was, it was, uh, you know, the difference was, you know, you go in the clubhouse and it's every other locker, you know, uh, was occupied, and then you got guys in the center of the room, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 in these temporary lockers, and then you go across uh, the the auxiliary locker room and there are guys dressing in there, and then you go back in like a almost like the furnace room and guys were dressing in there, and so uh, you know it, it it was tough, you know, for everybody to really. Uh, you know, uh, feel together as a team and as a unit in such a short period of time. But the, our veterans did an outstanding job of making the, the rookies, you know, feel feel welcome. Because heck, at any given time, we had ten to a dozen uh, uh, rookies, and uh, you know, we were depending on them to, you know, to produce. And they did a great, great job. I mean, the hardest part for the rookie, the rookie pitchers. We're in the bullpen because they didn't know how to warm up to be in the bullpen. Because in the in the minor leagues, almost everybody's a starter, you know, at least a, a, a piggyback starter. One guy goes four innings, one guy goes five innings, oh, and and you know they didn't have. Uh, uh, fortunate for us, we had some veterans like you know like Presley and those guys. That uh, Asuna was there for a while. That would help guys, uh, you know, get ready mentally and physically because they didn't have fifty uh, long toss throws uh, to get loose. They didn't have you know the bands that you that you spend you know 20 minutes getting ready to pitch and uh you know you don't want them to get too hot and not come in the game but you also want them to be prepared and you know we really had to had to uh monitor guys workloads cuz a lot of the young guys you know never went two days in a row i mean even though we needed them you know we had to preserve them you know for the future and uh like i said we were really proud 
of how the young guys performed, you know, on our team. You know, this was your first stint in the American League as well, too. All those years in the National mm-hmm. League. Was that much of a difference for you? Or because there's so much interleague play right now, was it not that big of a deal? Well, you know something, it wasn't that big a deal because everybody had the DH and you DH every day. You know what I mean? Like, uh, But just familiarity, you know, uh, you know, too, with yourself, with yeah, a lot of those teams, counted. players. Well, but you know something to think that the fact is that we played the same teams all the time. Everybody that we played right. was in the American League West, and everybody was in the National League West, and so it would probably been a lot more difficult. And and in study time, you know, have we played the Yankees? Have we played Boston? Have we played Tampa Bay? You know, uh, the White Sox. I mean, the teams that you only play, you know, a couple times a year, once there and once at your place. I mean. We were very familiar with the A's and, and, and you know, even the Dodgers and, and San Diego and, and some of those teams because, boy, I mean, it seemed like we were playing, you know, the same teams almost every day. Now, now you know, the difficult part uh, actually was, was with the umpires because I think, uh, you know, we had the same, you know, usually you switch umpires, you know, every series or at max every you know, guy has two series with you, but I mean, we played, I think we had the same umpiring crew, you know, for 13 days in a row. And then they would travel on the plane with you. I mean, but this was all done for, you know, for safety, for their safety uh, and ours. But, you know, it did, it did uh, sometimes, uh, you know, lend itself to a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, bad temper that that's carried from one series to the next series to the next series to the next series. And so uh, that's, that's, uh, you know, by design, you know, to have the umpires travel with us. And like I said, you know, if they hadn't have done what they did, uh, Major League Baseball, they did a great job of, of, of trying to protect everybody. And, uh, you know, I've never tested so much. You know, we did the spit test. We did that every other day. And, uh, you know, I mean, that that's, that's uh, you know, that was stressful in itself when you're, when you're worried about, you know, who's going to be, uh, you know, who's going to, catch the virus uh, you know who's going to contact trace with this other guy and it was going to be you or is it going to be the coaching staff and I'm, I'm watching football probably closer than anybody because i was trying to figure out how these guys tackling each other and spitting and snorting and all kind of stuff you know how are they were going to stay uh you know healthy and so uh you know the world's a, a new world and we're adjusting and uh, like i said i'm just hoping that you know, we get back to normal. I don't know what the new normal is going to be like, but uh, it's going to—it's definitely uh, you know been some changes in, in the way we live and the way we think. All right, Dusty Baker joins us. You know, you mentioned that you've been watching some football, and the college football playoffs are about to start. And one of the things that a lot uh-huh. of people are talking about right now is the teams that played the full schedule in 11 or 12 games as opposed to a team like Ohio State who's played six, and they haven't had to go through the whole the whole season and the attrition of, of playing a full season. With baseball, we know that there's a World Series champ crowned and it was a different season, but do you think that it would have played out the same way if it would have been the full 162-game season? Or do you think that because of the 60-game the season that things were a little bit different and maybe the team that might not have been the best at the end of the long haul that you're used to was the best mm-hmm. this year because of the situations? Well, I mean, it was definitely different because there's no endurance. You know, it's not usually it's an endurance race. I mean, you can start off poorly and then get hot in June, July, August, September, and then boom, you go. You know, you can go right there like Washington Nationals did a couple of years ago. 
but you know this year every they, they, you know the uh, the magnitude and the importance of, of every game was you know was totally totally um, opposite you know like you couldn't necessarily like say okay uh, you know we'll save my pitching staff for this game tomorrow in the next series or whatever it is I mean every game counted now now the difference is going to be uh, you know we don't know how the young players are going to respond to 162 game season you don't know you know which guys arms are are resilient for the 162 game season more than more than the position players but you look at you know the Florida Marlins you know would they have made it uh, 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 you know would we have made it with with losing Verlander and losing Asuna and then and the guys that we lost so it it, 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 it was tough to judge but but somebody was going to be the champion you know, and and then we won in '81. That was a short strike, uh, 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 um, you know, a, a strike shortened year. But hey, somebody was a champ, and it was us. So if you got a game to play, I don't care if you play 10 games, 162 games, then you might as well uh, try to figure out a way how to be the champ. You know, but but I don't think you know they're planning on 162 games this year. But you know, we don't know, and uh, you know that's that's the difficult part. Of 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 the whole equation is is when you're dealing with the unknown. Major League Baseball recently announced that it will recognize more than three thousand players who played in the Negro Leagues between 1920 and 1948 as major leaguers. Mm-hmm. And you know this means that those stats from those Negro Leagues will be part of Major League Baseball history. Now we know it's been a long time coming. Finally, Major League Baseball will recognize these great players. Give me your thoughts when you hear about this and what this means to the game and you personally, because, and I threw you, you personally, because, you know, you lived through this yourself. I mean, playing in the South when you were a rookie, you know, playing in Atlanta and coming up and all that stuff, Hank Aaron, Ralph Gar. Uh, give me your thoughts when, when you heard about this news, Dusty. Well, you know, I mean, that was great news to me. I just wish that it had come, you know, earlier. Um, you can't time it all the time because I wish that that, that, you know, a lot of the guys have passed, and their families are going to are the recipients of right. of of, of uh, you know them being accepted, and also you know uh, you know guys didn't make much money then. You know, I know when I came into big leagues, I was making minimum fifteen thousand dollars a year my first year, and so uh, you know fifteen thousand dollars was you know would have been a you know tremendous money uh, you know back in those days when they were playing in the Negro leagues, and so. You know, a lot of the guys didn't 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 die with much to leave an inheritance for their families, and so like I I I was hoping that you know this would have happened sooner. Uh, you know, some of the guys would have gotten on the pension. Uh, you know, the stats are important, uh, the accolades are important, but you know you can't spend the accolades and you can't spend uh, you know the stats. And uh, I was fortunate enough to come at the end of that era. I was born in '49. I was in the big leagues at at, at, at 1968, uh, and, and got to be with Satchel Paige for a month, and, and be around Chico Renfro in Atlanta, and then go over to Cool Papa Bell's house with you know with Jim Gilliam in St. Louis, and then you know during all the uh, uh, you know the uh, Negro League games prior to our games, you know uh, I mean the guys would gravitate you know mostly to the the black and Latin players, and especially guys like Double Duty Radcliffe, you know, I mean, he would would, would seek myself and Reggie Smith and, and the other African American players out, and you know, I have a number of them on my wall. You know, I got Josh Gibson on my wall. I got 
uh, you know, cool Papa Bell on my wall, and I have like, uh, you know, Joe Black on my wall, and, and in my weight room I have, uh, you know, I got you know Larry Doby and 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 uh, uh, Satchel Paige. So, uh, you know, it was just fun to be around those guys, uh, see how you know, and see the love that they had, you know, for the game, and and to hear the stories. Uh, even though some of them are probably exaggerated. <laughs> I'm not going to say they were lying, but they, they were exaggerating, but it was still fun to hear it uh, and see it and, and, and talk about it. And, and, and those guys really, really loved baseball. I know we'd go into Atlanta, and Chico Renfro, who played in, 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 the, in the Negro League, you know, he would give me scouting reports. And, you know, we, we'd sit around and, and – and and talk about the Braves or talk about you know the great players of of my era and and their era and uh, you know you know they didn't feel separated from from the from the era and uh, I, I talked to Satchel about him and you know Bob Feller they they used to barnstorm you know in the winter time and uh, you know they made as much money in the winter time as they made yeah uh, you know during the season and most of the guys played played uh, you know winter ball. You know, like uh, Jackie Robinson played in Cuba, and uh, you know, you know, Roy Campanella played in Puerto Rico. I played in Puerto Rico because of, of those guys, and because we were trying to make some more money. I played Puerto Rico, Mexico, and Venezuela, and uh, you know, uh, the stories that you know that I would hear, you know, about those great, uh, you know, Negro League players that played down there. Uh, it was it was fascinating, and it, it actually motivated me. All right. Dusty Baker, manager of the Astros, over 1,900 wins, knocking on the door of 2,000, and uh, potentially and hopefully and deservedly so, a uh, future Hall of Famer. Dusty, I want to leave you with this, and I haven't done this uh, with you in a while, but I want to end a little rapid, yeah. a little rapid fire round here. So I'm going to ask you a, a little, couple questions, and then just give me first thing that comes to your mind. You can elaborate a little if you want. So first thing. That's fine. All right, tough, yep. toughest pitcher you ever faced as a hitter. Uh. J.R. Richard and, and J.R. Richard, Bob Gibson, and Raleigh Fingers. Bam. All right. Player that you learned the most from, or you might want to say was the most influential with yourself, maybe early on or when you were growing up or when you got to the bigs? Hank Aaron. No doubt. All right. Pitcher with the best stuff that was on your staff? Oh. Uh, and there's a I'd lot to say, choose from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On, 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 as a player? Well, no, as on your on your staff, you know, one of your teams that you managed. So, one of your pitchers. Oh, uh, going back, Billy Swift. Billy Swift, really? Yeah. Okay. What, what made him so so tough or so good? What was his stuff was really well, that good? He, huh? he didn't. Well, he didn't throw a lot of pitches, and he and he got you out, and, and, and usually with the sinker, and he he could fill his position, and uh, you know. Uh, Everybody loved playing behind him. Okay. All right. Give me that unsung player that you really enjoyed to manage. Uh, Ellis Burke. Oh, nice. Okay. This ties into what we talked about earlier. Best city or place to get that, that post-game meal or drink? What's that go-to city? You circle it and say, oh, man, I, 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 I got I to hit that spot or two. Uh, well, Atlanta. And uh, probably Atlanta and Montreal. Really? Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. 
Your go-to musical artist to play when you get to the office, you get into the clubhouse, get to the park, you're getting ready uh, to make out that lineup, man. Who, who, who's the go-to on the playlist? Uh, Muddy Water. Okay. Chewing tobacco, seeds, or bubble gum? Started out as, 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 <laughs> started out as bubble gum, ended up in, in chewing tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas dinner at the Baker Ranch. What's going to be on the menu? Uh, collard greens, ham, smoked turkey, um, macaroni and cheese, uh, uh, cornbread, uh, red beans, and rice. And did I say candy yams yet? Not yet. And you haven't got to the dessert yet. I want to hear the dessert lineup, too. Uh, dessert. That's in the bullpen. Uh, would be, uh, oh yeah, berry pie, <laughs> um, uh, banana pudding, and 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 peach cobbler. I mean, I'm getting on a plane. I'm coming over. I mean, you got you got enough for an <laughs> army over there. And and and, I, and I've and I've dined over there. When he, this guy, not not only is he in the wine business, he's in the energy business. This guy is is killer on the grill. I tell you as well too. <laughs> Baker Family Wines. If you guys haven't tried Baker Family Wines, you got to do it. And, and tell our listeners, Dusty, how they can get some of your wine. Uh, they can get it online, like Baker Family Wines. We have seven varietals. Start out with one in my backyard, and then I was giving it away. And then uh, my winemaker uh, was uh, was uh, in charge of the viticulture department at UC Davis. Uh, we met 13 years ago, and yeah. so. We decided to turn it into a business, and uh, and Hank Aaron uh, joined us uh, last year. We have a Hank Aaron uh, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, and uh, like I said, we uh, you know we're not big, but we 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 uh, specialize in quality. There you go. Shout out to Chick in the uh, Baker Family Wines business over there. Oh yeah. <laughs> Stand with TC's uh, rapid fire theme. If there's one player mm-hmm. throughout the history of baseball that you would pay to go see play. Mm. Well, there's a couple of boys. I've been, I've been around some greats. I mean, you know, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, uh, and uh, Barry Bonds. And, and Dusty, you've you've managed some really high profile guys and some high personality guys. You mentioned Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa in Chicago, Joey Votto in Cincinnati, uh, Las Vegas is Bryce yeah. Harper that people always like oh, to yeah. ask about. And uh, and, yeah. and a lot of these guys not really viewed maybe so well in the public or maybe even by their teammates. Real quick, I mean, what what has been your method to handle these guys and and, and how to manage well, these guys and get the most out of them? Yeah, I mean, you don't really handle them, you know, like a. You know, like a thoroughbred horse. I mean, sometimes you ride him, and sometimes you don't. Sometimes you just leave him alone, and uh, you don't have a bunch of rules. Uh, but the rules that you, the few rules that you do have, you expect, uh, you know, the guys to to adhere to them, even though you do bend the rules. You know, for your stars, just like the sort of used to bend the rules for us, and uh, you know, uh, and you hope that your that your uh, um, best players are also your best citizens. You know what I mean, and uh, uh, you know, with that in mind, just just play, set a good example for the young, uh, the way the guys set a good example for us, and uh, and realize that that there are a lot of people. There's a lot of people watching. Mm-hmm. All right, brother. Appreciate uh, the time today, and more importantly, appreciate the friendship. Uh, continued success, yeah. and uh, I look forward to hopefully seeing you before uh, 
you get get out of here and go to spring training, my man. So have a great Christmas, hey, you and the family, and hey, happy New Year, brother. Thank you. That is perfect timing. My mom's coming out the door right now. All right, all right. Mom. Say hello to moms. We'll all right. Take care. All right. Great timing. I'll see you later. Bye. There he is, Dusty Baker, manager of the Houston Astros, three-time manager of the league, uh, manager of the year, and uh, just all-around great guy. Yeah, and I was thinking he might say somebody like a Josh Gibson or something, maybe somebody that he didn't see. Just yeah. I'd like to see how far he could have really hit a baseball. Oh, yeah, right. People say he might have hit 800 to 1,000 home runs. But, see, that goes back to what he was saying about, you know, the, the fables. You yeah, know, oh, because there, might, there could have been some embellishment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Bingo Longs, Traveling All-Stars, and Motor Kings. How about that great movie, Stevie Slapshot? You remember that one? I do Billy remember D. that Williams. one. Billy D. Williams, oh, yeah. Billy D. Negro Leagues, the barnstorming. I also <laughs> like the Billy Swift reference from Dusty. Wasn't that good? He was a lot like Maddox. He uh, not a hard thrower, but had yeah. a lot of movement. Yeah, you pitch the contact sometimes. There you go. All righty, appreciate my man Dusty Baker joining us. We come back on the other side. Hour number two. T.J. Reeves, our man from Tampa. That and a whole lot more. We take a look at the NFL, college football. It's the T.C. Martin Show on a Wednesday.